You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Hello and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host India Jackson, ready to get the dialogue going. Good morning, ma'am. Good morning. <laughs> It is early, but the voice is still on point, so I am good with that. I am ready to get into having this conversation that we've had a lot, um, and we've also had it in the community with um, a number of people. We actually had a workshop at the beginning of the year to help you make some better decisions with it, um, and that's around the causes that matter to you. Yeah, um, well beginning of the year, we went through how to message your brands, give back, Mm -hmm. give back policy component. (laughs) Don't quote me on it. No. It's on the pause and the play sales page. Correct. (laughs) And the beautiful thing about it is that it gave information that I had never really even thought of when it came to what I wanted my give back component to do when it came to the vetting pieces of it. And it really did go into some of the technical parts of um, making sure that the companies that you're supporting are actually doing the right things with their money and uh, stuff that I was like, I did not think about this. However, the beauty of it was it really did give you a way to know that if you created a give back component or you simply just donated And you wanted to make sure that what you were doing was going to where you actually were told it was going to go, that there was a way to do that. And all of that matters because it first and foremost goes back to the fact of what are you supporting, why, and who does it actually support? Right. And I don't know, I, I think that what comes up for me when I think about 
donating to charitable causes, right, is that many people can get stuck in figuring out which cause to select. I mean, even if you know, like, in general, I want to support causes that help animals, right? Uh, (laughs) If that's what you want to support, there's so many causes that help animals and nonprofits that are specifically designed to support animals. It's like, which, how do you pick which one? And so I feel like that can get people stuck a little bit. Also, what I see come up many times is the multi-passionate type of a person or the person who wants to support multiple kinds of things, you know, feel like they have to pick just one. And I just don't think that that's true. No, I, I don't think so. And being that I can say for myself, I don't support any one cause. And I actually prefer it to be that way because I think that there's a number of places that I want to utilize, you know, in this particular case, the collateral of, of, of my, my, my funds, my, my coins, um, excuse me. I, I literally like to figuratively and literally, I guess, kind of spread the wealth with that. And so I, I thought that it would probably be a good idea to kind of share some of what each of us, um, have within the last, let's say six to 12 months, some of the causes that we've chosen to support, and then to talk about some of the causes that have intersected. Because I think it's important to note that we actually do have some that intersect, but some of our individual ones are very different. And yeah. <laughs> so like people would probably like, oh, they probably picked the same thing. Well, we, we did not. <laughs> we did not. And so I, I think that going into that would would spark people to one kind of recognize the permission that they have to choose what works for them, but also to be able to understand that you don't have to pick one in order to validate your giving. Right. And even if you choose to pick more than one, you get to decide what that looks like. Maybe you change your cause each month. Maybe you do it quarterly. Like that's your choice. There's no one way to have a give back component in your business. No. And so often people are looking for just this recipe of like, tell me the right way to do it. There's no right way, but there's a wrong way. And it's just not to do it at all. So thank you for saying that because (laughs) I know we're going to go deeper in a second, but I do want to preference this with a lot of my give back is not necessarily financial give back. Sometimes what we can do with our time is more valuable to our organization than our money. And that was why I I thought that it was important to again, acknowledge that when we talk about collateral is, I'm sorry. um, Oh my gosh. Now my words are gone. Um, (laughs) Basically, this is the currency that I have. And your literal money is just one particular part of your currency, your time, your energy, your your voice, your impact. Like there's a number of types of currency that we all have to use. And so just because you don't have a certain amount of money doesn't mean that you still can't create some type of give back. Just because maybe in this season of your life, you don't have the time to physically go and volunteer. It's important to figure out what that looks like for you now and to allow it to be an evolving thing. 
Right. And I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say even if you do have the money, sometimes what you can provide outside of money might be more valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to start with one of mine, which does kind of speak to one of the areas of allyship that um, is very prominent for me as an individual, and that's LGBTQIA plus communities. And the one that I um, have given to recently, this is one of the most recent ones, um, is the Trevor Project. And one of the reasons that this particular one has always stood out to me is because of the fact that when you're, I'm just going to put it like this. I remember very well, I'm not old enough to have forgotten that growing up can sometimes have some really shitty parts to it. You are going through figuring out who you are, your body, how you feel, how you look at the world. And then the midst of that, to then have to navigate your identity and how the world processes you and how you process yourself and how it can absolutely sometimes push some people to a place of feeling like this life just is not worth living as I get through this. Being able to support the Trevor Project and how they do really you know, supply that additional support to LGBTQIA um, youth especially it, to me, that was a huge one. And so for me, that was absolutely a no-brainer to let that be one of the the, the causes that I support. Um, it's one that I see many people support. And I'll be transparent here. I don't know much about it. This is why in the show notes, we'll tell you a little bit more about it and you'll be able to learn more about it. The One of the important pieces is, again, being that a lot of LGBTQIA plus youths are at risk for, um, you know, suicide. It's something that they really do focus on with providing um, crisis services, um, including like they have a Trevor Lifeline, Trevor Text, Trevor Chat, especially during quarantine. Unfortunately, mental health has been more of a need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that they actually do support. And they also um, do work with, um, you know, putting, putting funds toward helping policymakers to pass legislation to protect young LGBTQIA plus youth. So again, this is where what you're saying is actually just another example of how we don't always know when there's so many causes and there can be great causes that we're just unaware of. That doesn't mean that one is any more important than another, but sometimes just having these conversations can just bring a little more awareness of where you can uh, put your support. So what's one for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say, I'll start with like one of the oldest ones that was on my radar and that's charity water. Um, charity water has been around for quite a while. Um, and, you know, even being a, a black woman in America and, and having that lived experience um, and growing up with, a family that, you know, was definitely lower class. Um, I still have privileges that people in other countries honestly don't have. And so when I first, I think I watched a documentary um, that was actually, I don't know what you would consider it, but in my opinion, it was a documentary, but it was really an ad campaign mm -hmm. <laughs> for Charity Water. 
Um, and it took you through, you know, the story of how part of the reason that people can live through their lives being pretty sick um, in other countries is because they don't have access to clean water. And if we could just drill more wells, um, it could resolve the clean water issue, but also free up women and girls who were typically the ones that would have to go get water and bring it back to the home to actually be able to do other things like go to school and get an education. Um, so anyway, I started donating to Charity Water before we met, I think. If not, mm-hmm. it was like right around that time. I'm um, pretty sure because it was one that I knew about, but you were the one that really gave me more insight into it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we can put in the show notes for you to learn more about it, but it's something that seems so simple, right? Can Do I have clean, drinkable water that's not going to put me in the hospital? And there are still people in this world that do not. Hello, Flint, Michigan. Um, yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just, just saying. It, it unfortunately is here too. It's not just abroad. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna give just one more for myself, and then I want us to go into our shared ones. Um, and this is another one that for me, once I found out about it, um, it really was important to me. One of which, one of the reasons it was important was because. I found out about it from my uh, my publicist, Cher Hale, um, from Ginkgo. And when I found out about it, this happened to be one of the places that she was using as a part of her give back component. And for me, let me start. Let me go back to this. It is the National Association of Black Journalists. The reason it's important to me is because I think way too often journalism is utilized as political capital. And it is tainted by whose opinion needs to sway you at this moment. What do I need you to believe? And to know that I can support black journalists, which there are not enough of, And to be able to support them, particularly at a time like this, to where there are journalists that have lost their jobs, um, that they need additional training, including like um, for programming and things like that, uh, promoting media diversity, parody in newsrooms. These are things that are supporting them during the pandemic, but it actually is something that needs to be there, period. And there's not enough Black journalists to be able to actually have this story coming through the lens of the people that the stories are coming from versus always having to come through a white gaze, but also because there is not enough when it comes to scholarships, training in college, uh, and starting in high school to be able to get black journalists to start younger. So it's the ones that we have, but it's also feeding more into the industry. And so to me, this was kind of like a no-brainer once I learned about it. I was like, oh, yeah, you absolutely get my support. Because being able to have journalism that, again, speaks to the Black experience through the lens of the Black experience, and it is supporting Black professionals, those that are delivering the facts and the stories, mm-hmm, yep, you checked a whole lot of boxes for me. Well, and so this is a new charity to me, too. So thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what also comes up for me is uh, 
I feel like there can be a lot of stereotypes around media and journalism and artistic careers, even though technically that's not as artistic as maybe an art and design degree or something. But Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily feel like young individuals who want to go into journalism coming from black and brown communities necessarily have the same amount of encouragement to do so at home because there's this stereotype that it's going to be hard to find a job and you're not going to make any money. So somebody who took a few um, classes in the journalism program in my college um, process, I didn't see anybody that looked like me in those classes. Right. Right. It's pretty cool to hear that there's a nonprofit out there to support them. And that's the thing. Again, it's it's helping the current piece of those that may be underemployed because of pandemic, but also um, just the fact of having the money going toward the programming and training that is going to give what is needed for those that are already in the industry, but also having the scholarships and training to feed you know, the, the, the new journalists, the new black journalists into the industry. So for me, yeah, again, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one more for you. Can I do two? One of them is really quick. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So quick and easy, uh, safe house project, um, has been a, a charity that I've supported. Um, I was introduced to it in the last three years, I believe. Um, We've had them on the podcast. So if you're interested in learning more about that, um, I think the episode has the word human trafficking in it. Yes. I'm pretty sure that that was from back in February, I think it was, because I think that was human trafficking month. That might've been January. Either way, it's been in 2021. You can find that. I promise you. (laughs) It was recent. (laughs) Um, And then also the SBCA Um, and specifically I've supported like the local chapters Um, and many people have probably seen the national commercials for that. Um, I'll say that like the individual chapters are all run very differently. So get to know your local chapter, but um, I've just enjoyed supporting them by providing things like blankets and towels that I don't need anymore and stuff like that. When you're doing your household spring declutters, they always need more of those types of things for the animals at the shelter um, to be able to kind of put down and have some comfort or even some warmth in the wintertime. And what a lot of people don't know is that you're able to foster animals. You don't have to adopt um, because there are no kill shelter meaning um, they, it's kind of morbid to think about, but they don't kill off the animals. Um, It's really important part of their process to raise awareness around adoption, but also fostering um, where you're just temporarily taking in an animal until they can find a more permanent home because being a no-kill shelter, they get full really quickly. So it's a great organization. I've shared on like social media that in the past we've done photo shoots for them for a calendar called Magic Mutt, which I'm sure several people wish they were there behind the scenes for, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yes, man. just using, you know, my skill set of marketing and photography, um, of bringing attention and money 
to their organization by having hot bodybuilder guys with their shirts off holding the cute animals to help Woo-hoo. get them adopted. So. <laughs> Uh, you ready to go into the ones we have together? Yes, ma'am. So I I want to start with um, one of the ones that I think is definitely one of the oldest ones. And this is children with hair loss. And children with hair loss is one that, you know, back into going into my hairstylist piece, I years ago used to do haircuts for like locks of love or Pantene. People would come in and they would want to donate their hair. And there were always these parameters of um, how long your hair had to be. But what a lot of people didn't realize was what would happen once it was actually donated. And so somebody would come in and say, I want to cut my hair off eight, 10, 12 inches, however long it was. And they wouldn't always know what it went to. And so for me, when I came across children with hair loss, which I don't even know how I came across it. It was so long ago. This one for me really made more sense because they literally took the hair that was donated and they would create wigs for children. And if I remember correctly, it is up until I want to say 21 years of age. And it is if they lost hair for any reason, if they had been a burn victim, um, if it had been because of chemo, if it was because of alopecia, they would donate the wigs that had been created free of charge. And they would also free of charge have a stylist like myself to actually help with the fitting and the cutting of the wig once the person had received it. And what I did not know before um, actually beginning to kind of send my hair donations to them was that there would actually be, I'm going to call them what they are, shitty humans, in my opinion, that would charge families that were bringing these children in to have these wigs, you know, cut and styled for them. They would charge them to do this. And I'm like, what the hell? Wow. Right. And so for me, they made it clear, like, you can't do this because apparently there was an issue kind of, you know, within some people in the industry doing that. And so to me, it was no brainer. Of course, I'm not going to charge them. But they made it clear, like, you don't make money off of this. And I'm like, hell no, I don't make money off of this. That's god awful. So for me, it was the ethics and the awareness that they had around that. It was the fact that this went to children no matter why they had lost their hair. And as someone that is currently and has been for a few years now um, traversing through three different types of alopecia, that does matter to me. And knowing that this is specifically set up to support them, that's one of the reasons why for me, you know, children with hair loss is, is huge. Right. And I think the reason that it really stood out to me is when you're young, you know, other children don't understand that you have cancer. They don't understand that you have no control over the loss of your hair. So I just kind of imagine like what that would feel like for young children to get picked on or treated differently because they were losing their hair. And it's by children who are not old enough to understand that difference. Um, Mm-hmm. And also, I think it's really cool that they take in hair of all textures. They don't care if your hair has been color treated. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on any of that, Erica, but 
No, I'm pretty sure that's organizations. I'm sorry. No, I'm pretty sure you're correct. And yes, what you were going to say next is correct too. Some other organizations will not take it. Yes. And also, um, I want to say that they're one of the organizations that will take in the shortest amount, which is about eight inches, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so for many others are requiring 10, which for people with different textures or different, you know, things going on with their hair may not be able to get to the 10 that they need mm-hmm. to donate and still have any hair left for themselves. Right. Right. <laughs> and, you know, one of these other, you know, smaller, you know, desirable side effects of this for me is that, um, again, like you just said, there are children that are having to navigate not having hair and then the children around them do and having to figure out, well, you know, how do I even have this conversation? Because somebody else doesn't understand this. They don't know. And so I remember, you know, very vividly with, you know, my daughter having this conversation very, very young and her kind of saying, you know, I'm beautiful. And I'd say, why? One of the things that she would say was her hair. And I said, you have beautiful hair and tell me other reasons why you're beautiful. So we literally go through, you know, I'm smart, I'm helpful, um, I'm creative, all of these other things that are much more intangible. Because for me, it's important for her to understand that her beauty does not come from her hair, her skin, her eyes, these these other very physical things. I try to really hone in to her what it is that makes her beautiful. And to me, that's also a way of indirectly reminding her. We do it directly too, but also indirectly reminding her to have that same concept for other people. I love that. And I think it's something that many people don't even think twice about to do with their kids. So I appreciate the example. Of course. So I'm going to let you tell everybody a little bit about TerraCycle because TerraCycle is a big one that we share. Uh, TerraCycle, the recycling industry period, a lot of it is a lie. We think our recyclables and our normal curbside pickup, (laughs) something's Mm -hmm. happening with that. No. And I'm very grateful that more recently the veil has been lifted on that and the public is learning more about the fact that many of that was just going to China or some other country and just sitting there. Um, But TerraCycle is a wonderful organization. They take in difficult to recycle items, typically items that your curbside pickup won't even take. Um, And we partnered with TerraCycle years ago. Um, As soon as we saw the opportunity to do so on what they call their beauty brigade, And in the Beauty Regret, it allows people to recycle beauty and body products. Um, Typically, you'd want them to be emptied. But um, when I think of beauty and body products, if you're listening to this and you wear makeup, if you're listening to this and you wear skincare, back in the days where people were doing things in personal, if you were getting samples of like fragrances, right? These are things that are really challenging to recycle because many of them don't come in a standard plastic or glass um, bottle. You know, many of these things are coming in foil packets that you have to cut open to be able to try out that sample. Or um, when I think of like those single use face masks, they come inside these big foil packets. And so this organization really does a great job of repurposing things. If they can't recycle it, 
um, and remake more things from it by melting it down into pellets or turning it into some type of pliable material. What they do is they actually will make um, reusable tote bags from it by stitching together. I've seen them do some by like stitching together. Uh, you know what it's called, Erica, because you have kids. Um, like, like the, you mean like like a was it gimp or whatever? No, know. like the um, the things for like that Capri Suns or applesauce come in. Oh, what are those like called? the the like the. Those little like foil pouch kind of right. I've seen yes. them make like super durable um, handbags and tote bags for your groceries out of those because those are a little bit harder to break down into creating a new material. But anyway, TerraCycle is really cool, and what I love about them is that they provide you um, shipping labels where you can um, send in your recycled shipping box full of your <laughs> your used booty products um, for them to turn into something new for free. Yeah. And that's why for me, again, being in the beauty industry and seeing how much stuff, first of all, most salons don't recycle. And it's not always because they don't want to. It's because they're in a location that there is no recycling service. And so having this through TerraCycle means that I can literally have boxes of the products that I use, as well as what I personally use, be able to go back and actually be recycled and not just end up in yet another landfill or not be recycled properly because they're sent through a process that can't actually can't actually break it down or do anything with it. Right. And it makes me think about um, my years of being in the beauty industry as well with Dior and Sephora and all of that. And just one customer, if just one retail customer who is the one that wears their skincare day and night and is taking care of it and maybe doesn't even wear makeup, right? Just that one customer can produce 10 pounds, 10 whole pounds of beauty recycling on their skincare creams alone a year. And I know it because we had one customer that wasn't even a Dior customer, but they knew what we were doing and they came from Estee Lauder and was like, yes, can you give me a label? And when she mailed her stuff in, it was 11.5 pounds from a year of her products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and you'd be really surprised what just you and your one household does in like a six month period. And that's exactly it. Cause like you don't think about it and literally your face wash, body wash, um, deodorant, all of the things that you just touch on a regular basis that you don't think about shampoo, conditioner, all these bottles that just go in and out, in and out. And putting all of that together, I mean, I can send 15 pounds in, in within a few months time between salon and and my household. Like it's a lot. And to think of how much just could have piled up and gotten, you know, basically left in another landfill. If you think about that per person, that's a lot. That's a huge impact. And then when you really think about the things that your normal recycling won't take, like your toothpaste tubes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like those are just going in the trash. Those alone can easily get somebody in the 10 pound range between toothpaste tubes, foil packets, um, 
empty pans on eyeshadow or mm-hmm. lipstick tubes. You can't put that in your normal, or at least most people can't put in their normal city recycling. Right. So the beauty of this is that like we're sharing that, that this matters to us, but this really is a part of how we operate in life. It's a part of what we do and what matters to us. And it shows up in daily life. And so often we have this disconnection from understanding that this really does contribute to our personal narrative. And it's a part of, you know, what people may or may not know about what shapes who you are. Right. Um, I want to pause on that for a second, though. I don't think that TerraCycle is a nonprofit. I could be wrong about that. So if you're listening, I know we gave a lot of nonprofits. That might be the one that is not. And this is where (laughs) I'm going to acknowledge why we're saying causes, because a cause is is sometimes it is a nonprofit, but the reality is a TerraCycle is an example of an organization, or you may even call it a service that does something that's necessary, but it's not, not a nonprofit. And so right. it is different. Question mark. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's important because it is, it is very much a cause that contributes to something that we all benefit from. Because I mean, sometimes. We're making sure that like your kids actually have like a healthy earth some, to live something? on. Because right. this global warming is getting a little interesting. It's who child. That's a whole nother conversation. Sorry, Texas. Um, But I I think that it's important to remember that causes are not just about you supporting someone else. In this case, TerraCycle is a great example of, you know, supporting something that actually is in support to everyone. Right. So this is, you know, part of where when we do talk with people about causes, you know, like in, you know, pausing to play the community in, in our Mighty Networks group and you kind of choose your cause, your cause is bigger than just who do you, who do you donate to or who do you volunteer with? And so I think being able to kind of have a little more holistic view about it does help you to really say, well, what does matter to me? What am I supporting? And I think that it does really make you cognizant of, let me do my due diligence to see, is this where I want to put my money? Who is this money supporting? What overarching concept does this support? And maybe there's someone else or, you know, another cause that I can divert some funds to because I want to make sure that I am doing a holistic job with this. And so it's been, you know, excuse me, really empowering to hear how in the community they, they, they do share things like this and they do talk about you know, their causes and places that they are donating and places that you may not have even known existed. And to be able to have someone kind of bring that up, I think there's a lot of power in that and it shows the power in numbers. I agree completely. And me being more tangible minded, one of my favorite parts is the fact that um, in the community, when you sign up for your membership, a part of your onboarding process is you get to pick a cause. And there's an algorithm in place in the community to allow you to more easily connect with other people that have that same cause. And when I say cause, um, I mean that these are broad things, right? Like mental health or 
the environment. It's not a specific charity or nonprofit. Um, and I think it allows people to come together over what the changes they want to see in the world a little bit easier and to collaborate more together on what they want that to look like. And what I love about it as well is, and if you're listening to this and you're in the community already, you have the ability to change your cause at any point. Because as you heard, Erica and I have multiple types of causes that we support at any given point. And maybe which one needs the most attention one month might be different than another the next month, you know? And you have the freedom to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you are interested in joining in these conversations, you want to be able to begin to knowingly say, this is what I am going to support for the next three months and see how that goes. And you want to attach that to your profile in our amazing Mighty Networks community. Come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. You can join today. Any last minute words you want to leave them with? (laughs) I want to leave them with taking a moment to figure out what causes they want to support. If you haven't already decided that, give yourself five minutes and just really think what broad cause, it doesn't have to be the specific nonprofit, do you want to show up and support? Because then you can begin to see how you can infuse that. And it may not even be a nonprofit as to how you facilitate supporting that cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. As always, you know, we love being here and having these real conversations so that we're normalizing the challenging or less spoken about things, making them a part of your everyday exchanges and showing you ways that you can help to remove the stigma and create real change and connection. Let's continue to get more people dropping the veil and challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?